What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Yeah, baby, we are back. It is the Unpack Podcast from AcmePackingCompany.com and SB Nation. Talking about your, I think now we realize just kind of mediocre Green Bay Packers back from a little bit of a Thanksgiving hiatus. I am Zach Rapport dialing it in from Albuquerque, New Mexico with a noisy dog next to me chewing on a uh, frozen towel full of dog food. Thank you, TikTok. Hopefully that keeps her occupied and not um, barking next to my head. And um, anyway, I am joined by uh, usually the wine boys. This time it's, it's the whiskey boys that look like a fancy bottle. Alex Patakis. Nick Bornheimer, what are we drinking out here? Yeah. So uh, during the Packers game on Sunday night, uh, given the circumstances, you know, had to move on to something heavier. And (laughs) I was invited to a very cordial get together of all Eagles fans. It was in my own building. So I went very nice people. One of them happened to work for uh, the brand that... um, uh, represents Ardbeg, which I think is LVMH or whatever. They like own like everything. Uh, um, and so we're drinking Ardbeg 10 year age scotch, which I am not a, again, there's a lot of like, uh, APC guys who were like big into this. I only went out and bought this after I tried it during that game because it's the only thing that I thought was like actually delicious and tolerable and dangerous. And in terms of how fast I can drink it, cause I have a very weak, like, palette for this stuff um so it's a great entry point for me into the whiskey world and that's what we're drinking so cheers to you i don't know if you're excellent drinking i, I got a get, yeah I how you get a, through life without it but i have a, here a we tall are. boy here well cheers on air well cheers on air i'm a I, I like a uh like a single malt um i'll get the pronunciation wrong i'll, I'll get corrected i always said islay but i think it's i i lay or i o something the very southern region of scotland that makes a very peaty um tasting scotch which is what this is so yeah i was was pleasantly delighted when i saw ap roll through the front door with something i was not (laughs) expecting yeah well um that's a good transition something i was not expecting uh was for this game against the eagles to be entertaining and it was entertaining it was a loss but it was entertaining 33 to 40 was the uh was the final score. Um, and it, it got away from them in the end, but I don't know. They made it fun. Um, should we do note any like general observations before we do note nugs? I feel like we were all in agreement that the game was funner, more fun than it had any right to be. Yeah. I think we could just dive right in. It was, <laughs> it was full fledged entertainment. I think just because the offense was productive which yeah. is, you know, a recipe for yeah. more enjoyment all times watching football. Yeah. yeah. It was a 
as advertised, a uh, whatever Carrie sings in her song, like a <laughs> okay. Sunday night showdown, whatever you know. The Packers and the mm. Eagles in a in a nasty classic, showdown a nasty or something. Showdown. Whatever. Yeah, it's exactly what it was. I'll give one quick nug, uh, and it's just that it, this team can. It I can hold the thought in my head that this team is not good. They're not going to the postseason. None of this really matters. And simultaneously, that when really challenged, especially by a team like the Eagles, uh, that like, uh, I call it like the ugly side of me, like my fandom that like kind of makes me mean and like <laughs> say things that I regret and think things that I regret is still there. I thought that was kind of dead, especially like in a regular season game where you've got nothing to lose. But the second that... NBC just did like a Brian Dawkins like Packers diss track, which yeah. I don't know. Like, if, <laughs> did anyone else find that really weird? To just open the broadcast with Brian Dawkins like talking exclusively about the Eagles and then being like, and the Packers, and they just show like all of our drop passes and fumbles and shit from the air so far and interceptions. It's like, what the hell, dude? Like, you're advertising this game as basically just like an Eagles celebration. Like, I get it. They're the best team in the game, but I immediately got pissed off immediately was like super invested and wanted nothing more than to like just upset this team um and their fans who boo at every single player that may or may not be injured yeah they um, they tr- they act too smart for their own like yeah like they don't really know what's going on but yeah the broadcast made them out to be like the most sophisticated fan base ever I'm like they have no idea they they would boo i mean they booed santa claus they threw snowballs at him that's like yeah. that's your baseline so yeah <laughs> Honestly, I we had considered going to the game and part of not going is like what the Eagles fans who I ended up watching with were like, but honestly, like it it's not it's like you're not unsafe. Like it's you're not going to come out of there like, you know, unsafe unless you're really trying to stir some stuff up. Yeah. Unless you're but like injured. it's not a super enjoyable environment for you. Yeah. And I was like, OK, on a shitty rainy, like end of holiday weekend where I'm like still in this comatose, like. Got it. I'm not going to go spend that money, you know? Yeah. Um, so it's, it's funny, though. You you hit on um, something. It's kind of like no matter how much we intellectualize and, and pontificate about um, the game and percentages and metrics and what's worth what and what we should or should not be invested in, there's just that inner child, that like 5% that's less left of you that... Um, our capitalist hellscape hasn't managed to rip completely out of you um, that gets activated at those times um, watching football or doing whatever it is that brings that out of you. Different strokes for different folks, but it's the, it's there for you. It's there for me. It's why we pretend to have a radio show. <laughs> yeah. I think I wanted this game more than the Cowboys game. And I think because like yeah. the Eagles were almost acting like kind of like, too big for what they really are you know they like a good team in a year where there's like no good teams that's probably gonna like you know it'll come crashing down against yeah. somebody like the 49ers or something like that and then we'll just forget all about the fact that their Jalen Hurts and this offense were unstoppable in the regular season yeah but anyway well I wanted to yeah just sort of start by laying the uh, groundwork that we all thought the game was exciting we had fun watching it it's not the outcome that we wanted but it was still exciting have a little positivity uh, before I give my no nug because it's negative. Sorry, folks. <laughs> uh, and here we go. 
This is an Unpack Pod Newsreel production. The year was 1948. Mahatma Gandhi was assassinated in India, and the U.S. Congress had just ratified the Marshall Plan. And thousands of moviegoers were flocking to theaters to see Hollywood legend Humphrey Bogart in The Treasure of the Sierra Madre. But the real news of the day took place in the old ball field in a professional football contest between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Washington Racial Slurs, where the Eagles played a nearly perfect game on the ground, led by Steve Do You Believe Van Buren with 171 rushing yards, Bosch Pritchard with 66 yards, good old Jack Myers clocking in with 54 yards, Noble You're the Boss Doss with 52 yards, Russ Kraft with a polite 16 yards, and even old Joe Muha with two yards, just for good measure. Yes, it was a rushing clinic and a defensive no-show, the likes of which we will never see again in the post-World War II era. <laughs> Until last week. Uh, because fire Joe Barry is my, uh, is my note. <laughs> so that's the, la- that's the last time the Eagles amassed that many rushing yards. I think the last time anybody amassed that many yards, right? Um, or no, it's definitely was it, the fr- the it was definitely for the franchise. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, but yeah, 1948. <laughs> I, I like I like the first name Bosch. I think we should bring that back. Yeah, let's qu- let's go over these names again. Steve Van Buren. This was a uh, Sammy Baugh led team, by the way. Mm. Um, I know that name. Steve Van Buren, Bosch Pritchard, amazing. Jack Myers, which is just like. Classic, no matter the era. Yeah, he um, might he he might be in the tight end room for the Packers. I'm not positive. <laughs> <laughs> He's on the practice squad. Um, Noble Doss, Noble that's, Doss, D O S S. Yeah, it's a great name. Russ Craft, and then someone named Joe Muha, M U H A. What a name! That is a great two name. Yeah. <laughs> what really? In the rushing clinic, that guy had two uh, one yard, just for no. good measure. Get old well, you threw it in. If he wasn't named Muha, would you have thrown it in? No. So. <laughs> With a name I mean, like yeah, that, you make the real, the you make the old-timey news for you. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. Well, well, Zach, great old-timey news voice. I think that goes without saying. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. I wish um, I, can, <laughs> I can muster voices. I can do skits. I wish I had the power to... Um, influence the Packers front office to get this rid of might, Joe Barry. Or, or, or suit up and play a little nose tackle and actually <laughs> do more than Kenny Clark, who has disappeared for the last Oof. month and a half. Yeah. Or just or just make a tackle. I think, Zach, I think you could at least like fall down and do a better job at tackling than Amos has done. Or I, I'm, I'm not a sophisticated viewer, but to my eye, what I'm seeing is a defense that no longer like cares about the scheme like they don't they're not buying into joe barry anymore yeah that's that's my opinion watching tv some guy watching tv but it's not fun to watch this watch this defense for the most part it looks like alexander just like legitimately doesn't care he's like playing his own game at this point right he's playing his own game and i've heard of um uh, a few others across the podscape kind of saying that as well like he's he's just deciding to like play man or play in the position that that he wants to (laughs) why shouldn't he at this point yeah yeah i'm i'm okay with that like i'm all here i'm here for the mutiny if it means we get the result we want which is just a different coordinator future defensive coordinator jim leonard jim leonard come on down yeah we'll have more control yeah over his locker room 
Man, that would be, I mean, that would be something. Degenerate corner. What are the odds? He's uh, DC next year. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. That could be found somewhere, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, by the way, I wanted to just go back quickly because it just kind of dawned on me. Your old-timey news guy voice, I feel like there's like 15 to 20% Barack Obama in there. <laughs> so if you ever wanted to do like a presidential address, I feel like you could you could probably be well-suited to do that as well. I feel like it's a mixture of like the, if you combine the old-timey news voice and the pilot voice, you'd yeah. get Barack Obama because he does a lot of those like uh, it's the cadence kind of between too. phrases. Yeah, yeah. It was like the news-timey voice was really like, like it, the rhythm of it felt like Obama a little bit, but there's nothing breaking it in between because it's so like polished, you know, if you just like humanize it a little. Yeah, like the, the pilot guy. Um, so, OK, about this defense, though, like I, I will admit, like what I see of the Eagles is on red zone and on red zone, they're always showing big plays. So I'm just like, all right. Yeah, whatever. But like um, it, it can't be that easy for them against like any other team. And that's so annoying because it's just like so us. You know what I mean? Like that felt like uh, Kaepernick era Niners. Like have the Packers ever been able to stop a team like that? You know what I mean? Like they just have yeah. it. Yeah. And it's like you can't really do it with physicality or maybe you can. I don't know. The Packers, I guess, are like a faster defense now than they used to be. But that didn't matter worth anything like in this game. Like, ah, oh, man. That well, was I mean, speaking of Kaepernick. I saw someone on, on Twitter saying this too, and I forget who, but um, the pa- like for basically our football watching lifetimes, no matter how good the Packers are, they're also always good for one game where they're on the wrong side of a historical event, usually on defense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really, that's so bad. And and we used to talk about them getting beat by the obvious guy all the time. Like I get, you can't really say that this was the case because it was every guy. You know, yeah. I mean, like I would call Jalen Hurts <laughs> running the obvious guy and they, yeah. they, they couldn't do anything on designed runs or scrambles. Both. He was just. But they also the couldn't defend the pass. Like the, the few times they got in like <laughs> really long yardage, like they got bailed out by a holding call. And I feel like on first and 20 or even second and 20, it was like a 17 yard gain. Um, and then at the end of the half, like you have one job, Razul, like he had a really rough return to Philadelphia, man. Yeah, that was. Whew, boy, like. Uh, you like having him around. He makes some big plays, but he was a heavy contributor in that loss. I would say, yeah, yeah. Uh, along with the rest of the defense, but in particular, like make one or two plays that could bail you out, and yeah. your offense kind of had your back. Ugh. that was ugly, man. That defensive yeah. performance. You can't really even like what else do you even say. Well, I said I said it like maybe a month or two ago. Just wait, wait for the time when the offense finally figures it out because the defense is then going to be the problem that's just like how this season has gone and it's happened a number of times now <laughs> like, yeah the packers have a scheme that matches their personnel too remember like capers had like this oh it's like this super complicated scheme but all these young guys and no one could learn it and then like now i feel like they have the talent they're like not old you know they're old in certain areas like our safeties look old i know they're there, not i mean amos is there like are washed. there are like there are injuries that we're not taking into account Rashawn Gary was the best player on that defense pretty much all season. Yeah. And he's not there and available. Stokes did not have a great year leading up to the injury, but 
not having the depth back there doesn't give you the opportunity to say, hey, Rasul, switch inside. Yeah, and, that's true. You know, like it's it's, it's an amalgamation of a handful of things. Um, the ta- 22 tackles is what LaFleur said, I think, on Monday is what the team ended up charting. Missed um, tackles, you mean? Missed tackles, missed tackles. Um, that's that's as bad as I can remember. I mean, I was and looking Clark around to try to find. responsible for some of them, man. Yeah. That's crazy, too. Yeah. Like, that's crazy. You can't be the big guy in the middle and like be missing, you know, having arm tackles against a quarterback and small running backs. That's kind, of been the, that's kind of been the plight of this team all season. Like, the run, the defense has looked okay, but the run defense really hasn't. Hmm. Yeah. No, it's been better all year. To kind of put a bow on the Joe Barry thing, and then I'll let you guys give some give some nugs. Um, I heard, I believe it was um, our colleague Paul Noonan on the Reporting is Eligible podcast talking about the the difference between certain defensive coordinators, and you you have guys like Joe Barry and and Mike Patton, who are they're not the the philosophers, they're not the schemers, they're not the people who tinker and invent the defense they are practitioners so they learn the system and then they employ it and they know how to do that part really well but then so that means you know you could extrapolate that that means that they're not very adaptive they're not looking at what's next they just don't have an open mind and they're not as savvy when it really comes to scheming game to game i don't know i thought that was interesting yeah no that's it's uh it's an acute observation, um, I think, because you do you you don't see any real play to play or drive to drive adjustment. And like I noticed they played a four man front a lot during this game and it wasn't working. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know what they saw in the film that thought like, all right, wait, maybe that helps get some more, more guys in the box. Maybe it allows Quay to be on the field but not have to go sideline to sideline as much or whatever it is but it wasn't working and they were just like well this is what we decided we were going to employ for this game and that's just how we're going to um, get 40 points hung on us without making any form of adjustment yeah that was frustrating but unlike Alex who mentioned going into the game he still had that like bit of like childhood uh whatever it was exuberance yeah it's just passion I, I, I would just say. passion i went in just with the same amount of or lack thereof expectations as i had been all season so it was just i was just like kind of just laughing at the <laughs> packers just getting run all over by another quarterback that they knew was going to run all over them and if justin fields plays next week boy oh boy it's gonna happen again mm-hmm. That's okay. <laughs> Maybe we'll see. The uh, we'll see about that. The Bears are the the Bears are one of the only teams in the league where I'm like you're a bona fide like. It is. They are. Team. They are the outlier. They're the exception to the rule. <laughs> so, so yeah, bad. I'll give you that. Yeah. All right, Nick. Well, give me a give me a note nug. So we before we got on the pod, we briefly touched on it and I and I feel like it is the most captivating storyline out there right now and it's just what do we do now with the mental gymnastics we have to perform now that we've seen Jordan Love make a couple good throws which has been like man like if he would have done that during the Chiefs COVID game last year which he did not he looked like he was not ready at all 
Um, the conversation is different leading into this year and everything else probably. But I mean, look, the Eagles did not watch film and plan for Jordan Love, but it wasn't like it wasn't about like game planning for him. He was zipping the ball and it looked impressive. And I just thought that was cool. Um, now where it leaves the Packers is the cap space drudgery of next year. Aaron Rodgers is essentially the, I don't even know. He's, he's the, he, he's the boss. He gets to make and call all the shots going forward based on the contract situation that he's in and where it leaves the team. So what do the Packers do? Do they pick up the fifth year, which puts them in a, I, I don't even know how you mess around with the money to get there. Or do you try to structure a contract where it's super backloaded, but then you're putting all of this, you know, investment into Jordan Love, and we really have no idea if it's a goody pick that'll end up working out. It's, it's, it makes for an interesting rest of the season because you yep. assume Rogers is going to play. Both Lafleur and Rogers said. He was going to. Roger Until said they're not mathematically alive anymore, I guess. And right. I think he's open then to uh, being on the bench. But Alex, I want to, um, I want to invite you in here. And if this is part of uh, your nug, let's just let's just uh, combine them and keep it rolling. But you were talking before we hit record about um, about Ted Thompson and drafting Rogers and just the um, the sort of chutzpah involved in that kind of roster management and and the situation that nick is describing now is very much the opposite end of that spectrum where it's like goody either made the wrong decision or just punted didn't really make a decision and now we're in this like incredibly tough spot yeah i mean yeah it's it's completely their own doing and they had an out and just didn't take it and i get it like I guess the the difference there's a couple of things. All right. So the point I was trying to make before was that I all everything that's happening right now just makes me like appreciate Ted may he rest in peace like even more because you know I, Ted took like one leap which was massive and that was drafting a guy who was expected to go first overall in a draft in the first round after your quarterback had gone to the NFC Championship and lost in overtime and all by the way he's a legend and a three-time MVP and Super Bowl champion. That was a that was a leap. Um, but the bigger leap was not even just trying to leverage Aaron Rodgers for any pieces. It was just like being super committed to parting ways with Brett Favre. And after an NFC championship, being like, well, look, dude, you gotta go. Like Rodgers is our guy. Like we chose him. It's our regime now. Like he was our he was our pick. That's the real leap that I feel like um sometimes like you know draft day is always magnified first round picks are glorified whatever but never getting to this situation that Gutekunst has been in is what ted needs to be applauded for and it just like you said you said chutzpah like it takes more of that to do that now than it does to pull the trigger on drafting the guy yep. and Gutekunst doesn't have that like i'm not trying to trash the guy i think he's made a lot of good decisions as a general manager but at the end of the day, like he had his opportunity and who would have thought right after back to back MVPs that he should be doing that. But again, Ted had the foresight to be like, it doesn't we're so far down this road. I'm going, you know, yeah. he like he like is like Cliff jumped like the medium one and then he went to the yeah. highest fucking one and he didn't back out when he was standing on the edge and Gutekunst did. And that's, well, I, I know we had the one off season. I know we had the one off season of um, Aaron Rodgers kind of like 
dragging the team along a little bit, but I I do want to just mention sort of the many, many off seasons of, of Favre, will he or won't he, that the franchise had been dealing with. And I'm sure that that was a contributing factor after a while, too. Yes, yes. As but a fan, unrest, I know it was. Unrest with the Packers is not a new thing for Aaron Rodgers, though. Like, yeah, that's, that's been true. there. Like, threatening to retire is. So that's that's it's different. And And then I guess, you know, to point out, to be fair, there's one other thing that we actually, none of us know the answer to, and it's, how they feel about Jordan Love. Like, you know what I mean? Like, maybe you look at it this, like they were willing to put themselves in cap hell and basically just be run by this guy, you know, who fucking chills with Pat McAfee every week, like, and just spews your organizational issues like out on the air. And only his spin, you know, he gets to control every narrative. You were willing to put yourself in that kind of cap hell to avoid playing Jordan Love. So does that tell us that they actually don't trust him? I don't know. Like, that's the thing. Like, it, Ted was committed to Rodgers, and he was right because he was the guy. I don't know that maybe Gutekunst is acting in the way that he has acted in the past because he knows that he made a mistake on the draft, which is fine if he made a mistake, whatever. But um, that's why I think as meaningless as some of this you know, the wins and losses could be the rest of the season. It is going to be, I'm like more excited to watch the next few games than I have been in like all season since the Packers like tipped their hand that they were bad. Um, <laughs> like, there, I think you got to play love for, yeah. to, to, to market him. You have even to get is, him ready. I, I understand that it Rogers and the team saying, look, as long as we are mathematically alive, Rogers is the quarterback. I, I get that. The annoying thing is that we've got the Bears coming up. That's probably a win. I mean, this team has managed to, to lose to inferior opponents, but it's probably a win. There's some cupcakes coming up. I feel like like the term mathematically alive is the key there because mathematically alive can mean 3% chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, it's the and that's going to be until like week whatever, 15 or something. And like we will get probably more than one game of Jordan Love at some point, but it's not going to start next week. It's going to start annoyingly like three weeks. So <laughs> two weeks. From now. I guess we want him to do well either way, but like, can, can we even bring ourselves to be excited if he does do well about the idea of him being our quarterback? Like how do they arrive at a place where he is your quarterback next year? Uh, you Jordan you don't, you yeah. Jordan Love, you're asking? Yes. You sorry, don't. Yeah. No, you, yeah, you, you, you don't. don't unless Aaron Rodgers decides to retire. He holds the keys. He holds every single chip. <laughs> that sucks. So yeah. if he keeps the looking only, like that, the only thing yeah. that you can do is convince Love that you are going to remain the quarterback and waiting. He'll be going into what is this now? Next year would be his fourth year on the bench. Is that right? Yes, and then so that and they have like the fifth year option as well at their disposal. But yeah. Rodgers is the key. I mean, what's his? Is this hit sixty million dollars next year? So, so you can you tell Love like, hey, listen, you are the quarterback in waiting. You just have to wait around. It's it's a different situation than despite the amount of parallels between the Favre situation. This one is different because Rogers had his three years, and the organization firmly stood behind him. Um, the organization still under a brand new guard still seems to be standing behind him, but only because their hands are tied. If, if yeah. love started to perform in like over these next couple of games, do you think they really try to market him and trade him away? Or do you 
try to convince him to do a backloaded contract, save, figure out the cap situation and retain him. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think that's the ideal, but I, uh, I mean, Aaron has an influence in that. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, like you also have to appease this guy who's making more money than anybody. And if he's going to be around, he's going to stick around because he's going to want to win. He's not going to want to go out. Like he's not just going to stick around to Peter out until you could hand the reins over to Jordan yeah. Love, you know? And He'll if he puts any more good game on tape for him, you could see his agent saying like, look, any of these other teams like we'll give you, you know, whatever, 10, 15 yeah. million dollars just to tr- just to try to be a decent quarterback for them. Like, does that, he say, well, that, no, yeah. I'm going to wait, you know, two more years with the Packers. Yeah, it just depends because the irony of the situation is the the waiting is it's it's made him an infinitely better quarterback. Don't you yes. figure? A hundred percent. Yes. He looked more decisive. Like we talked about this in uh, so much more decisive. The other group chat, I'm going to say just because uh, it's an inside joke, inside baseball. But uh, he looked more decisive than Rodgers did. It's like, so wait, you know, this offense better than the guy who won two MVPs, like kind yeah, of running I, it like hell. yeah. I think it's a it's a mixture of Rodgers doing a little bit of hero ball stuff. And yep. Rodgers also playing with a, a, a bevy of maladies. And, and and I think overall, all of that combining to him just like overthinking things and then love comes in and yeah, he was just decisive. He was just running the offense. He was just taking into a what no was there. situation though. Yeah, that's he true. Just, he could, he could just let it rip. They were down by a couple of scores. Like, I don't know. It's, it's hard to, yeah. it's hard to get overly excited about it, but I hadn't, we hadn't seen him even in the preseason make those types of throws or those types of decisions. Yeah. It could still be a good thing that he is not going to be our guy. Like it could still be, I guess I I'm also just sad that, you know, we missed. There's no, also no longer any opportunity to get anything for Rogers, you know, like that that's over. So he either retires a pack, like that's it. You know, the, the pipe dream of like getting value for him, I think is over. And being able to move on in that way, because now he's just always hurt. And I almost doesn't trade. really seem like I, maybe I'm underrating how desperate other teams can be. But like, who wants to pay him? <laughs> yeah. If he would have gone to the Niners, though, that's that's just the, the oh, man, we would have had three years of the Niners just winning Super Bowls, probably, which that was the that was the rumor Shanahan said he was going to come get him. Yeah. Um. But that would have been like my I don't I think I take this over the the three years of whatever the end of Rogers career where I'm just, you know, experiencing my own personal hell. How, but how do they put enough around him to like be good? Well, Devonte Adams on this team, how many more wins do they have this year? Mm, I mean, I don't know. You see you see a breakout star like win or two. Like, I don't I don't, I don't know, man. Maybe like, it's three or four. Watson tilts that thing in a way that I hadn't realized. And if the offense is even a notch better at the beginning of the season, I mean, the team still has all of its, you know, ailments, but they're in a, they we're more convinced that they're at a, a more productive and a better suited team for next year. Hmm. Next year. Oof. I was, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was, uh, um, DMing a little bit with um, our uh, corporate overlord Justice Mosqueda about um, next year, and it's just like it's it's not too early to think about, but like 
it's just it's such a murky picture what does it look like yeah i don't know that my mind's is true. not there yet my mind's not there yet all right um run a little long so we are going to um move it to break and then when we come back um i read some poetry Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. You can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, we are back, and um, we didn't do listener note nugs, uh, running a little bit long, so I'm going to cram one into a a haiku that I uh, just wrote here while you guys were talking, and I was not paying attention to anything you were saying. (laughs) Hopefully that was not evident. You didn't miss much, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Every once in a while on a a show like like Around the NFL, for example, which is a, a show that I love, I you kind of listen and you get a peek behind the curtain and you can tell that like, Oh, so-and-so was like not listening during, <laughs> during that. I'm like, yes, the pros also have those moments. <laughs> like I can see you guys on screen. You're talking. And I'm just like, I'm over here counting syllables. All That's right. Alex on a belly full of halal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, poetry good show. <laughs> Rogers cost us big. Season could have been different. No, not that Rogers. <laughs> oh, our boy Amari. <laughs> so yeah, um, I want to give a shout out to uh, um, a couple listener note nugs as I talk slowly to try to bring them up on my phone. <laughs> but um, hang on, wait, where are we? Ah, uh, yes, uh, Steve. The cheese head on Twitter says, I wonder if the season would have been any different if Nixon was returning kicks all year. The field position game is huge. Um, and then there was as well another one from uh, Brian who says, why was Nixon behind Amari all season? I, and and we've, we've hit on this a little bit 
this year, just this idea of like roster management and knowing who's on your team and if it's, whether it's a CBA thing or whatever, but like more and more, it's seeming like the coaches don't always know the best player for the job. And it's just, it's, I don't know. It's, it's alarming to me at this point to, to see Nixon returning kicks. He's so clearly like a prototypical, like decent kick returner. And he was there the whole time. Yeah. And I mean, you know, the question then that, that I've heard uh, posed on other shows is like, is that Basaccia's decision? Is that, um, the, is that coming from on high that, that Amari's got to stick on the roster? I tend to think it's the latter. I kind of think it's, well, it's a draft pick. This is how we keep him on the team for a while. We're going to, he's a, was a third rounder. We're just going to stick with him for a bit. I don't know. I also just question how easy it is to determine a player's kick returning ability. That's not hard. It seems like, right? Well, I, how, how much can you really simulate a live kick return in practice? It's, That's like the, fair. it's the most dangerous play in the sport. Like I almost think it's all about like breaking arm tackles. I mean, you just have 11 guys running full speed the other way at 11 guys. Like you're not really like, I don't know from what I guess I understand about NFL practice. Like those kick return reps aren't, they're like, I don't know. They're like thud up, you know, whatever you call it. Like they're not like tackling to the ground. Like here's the thing. I just think that that like so much of that job is just breaking tackles and knowing how to like read lanes and run. I think I personally, I think it's hard to simulate, but yes, but they Even knew he if, was bad last year. <laughs> well, right. Yeah. It, that, it, I was going to say, like, that aside, Amar, like, the basics of even getting to the point where you could return, like, catching and, like, understanding where you are and everything, those were so off that it's still inexcusable. So I still agree with you. Um, and it was a massive breath of fresh air. So the, the one game sample size, he just ran with a, a reckless abandon that, you kind of need to as a kick returner taking it out from seven yards deep in the end zone. You're like, well, that's a weird idea. And then he gets it to the 40 and you're, but like he, you can just tell the lanes were that they were the same amount of open as they were for Amari. He just found them and broke the tackles. And it was just really fun to see a field flip a little bit like that. I don't really cut, Amari a lot of slack even though he was a really nice guy and a nice teammate like yeah it should have been a change that was made earlier well to Steve to um to Steve on Twitter's point you know if you think back to all the earlier games in the season if we have a couple two even just one more drive in each game that starts at like I don't know the 41 yard line that could flip some of these games. It really could. I know it seems like silly to think about that kind of thing at this point. And we're so mired in, uh, in the misery of watching not, not great results here, but it could have made a big difference. Well, that, and that's just kick returns. Like, I mean, it's also the drives that you didn't get because of turnovers, which are even more, you know what I mean? So it's like when you compound those things, it's like, I, it I would be like go, a whole game's worth. Of. I would still go <laughs> back to, a point that we all made, or at least I made, and I, I think was largely agreed with, like after week three or week four. Yeah, I guess I shouldn't. I guess I shouldn't <laughs> go back to when I was dead very, right. Very favorable memory here. <laughs> Continue. But, go on, sir. Well, well, you'll, I mean, we, if you want to be a results based thinker, like the Packers were three and one at one point this season. 
which is, oh, you know, that's insane. Yeah. Right. And Memories. I remember specifically thinking like it's not a three and one team and like the record can be a very, very like um, like it's it's like cosplaying for <laughs> what the team really, truly is. They've got a, a, a shiny little costume on. And that's kind of how it's been the last couple of years. I mean, last year's team was good. It had the really big special teams um, just issues, and we saw them come to a head in, in that Niners game. But it was I just never thought it was a team that was going to make any real impact. And when it came to playing a, a Kyle Shanahan or even like, I don't know, the, the Vikings look like a team that would be not very fun to run into even even with Kirk Cousins being Kirk Cousins like there were just there were too many different teams even with a drunk NFC this year that I just I didn't have a lot of faith in well the Vikings it, are a whole different story too because they're they're see the Vikings fans are getting to enjoy something that Packers fans have gotten to enjoy like once every couple years which is like your team's pretty good but they you get all the bounces yeah literally they really all have. of the bounces yeah so I don't I'm not even I don't I don't mind doing the revisionist history thing and going, well, like if they would have gotten this, 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 you know, maybe they are eight and four instead of four and eight. Like, I think that's fine to do, but the team is still the same team for the most part. Yeah, I mean, I yeah, uh, yeah, the injuries also you can point to those. I uh, yeah. Uh, it's it, a lot of things went wrong. I don't know. Amari Again, to Steve's point, thing. I don't know if you have even just one more win or God forbid two. I mean, this NFC is just like, it's so bad. The Packers are then suddenly like you're at the, at the top of the, in the hunt graphic. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe that's hunt. more annoying. It would be, it would be more, it would make this whole viewing experience a lot more pleasurable. I would say that. Um, it's just not it's not like that fun team from 2010 that didn't get a lot of the bounces. They never trailed the game by more than seven points that season. And you yeah. just knew they were good, even though they weren't winning. And you're like, they just got to get hot. And there's just like a different kind of energy. Like yeah. this would be one of those teams that kind of found a way to like limp into the playoffs in theory. But I don't know. A lot of uh, it took a it took a lot of things to go wrong already this season. <laughs> it takes a village. It takes a village. <laughs> All right. Who's reading poetry? I'll go if you want. Go ahead. Um, all right. <laughs> I took some liberties with what we categorize as a syllable. <laughs> a Justin Hollins and a Corey Ballantyne. It's what's a season. Mm. <laughs> We're at that point, ladies and gentlemen, where... Guys are just coming in to fill roster spots. So Justin Hollins, Hollins, first of all, fast. Hollins played well. Yeah. He, yeah. He was like, and I made this joke. I think I texted this uh, to you guys. There was like, he, he like chased down the ball carry on a play. You see him like running laterally across the field. And it literally looked like a man like chasing a paycheck. He I was think, just like, give yeah, me yeah, that yeah, contract. That was, he, he got hurts on that play, I think. I think in this sport, it's impossible to look athletic without wearing gloves. And I was so thrown off by that guy. I thought he was a long snapper. <laughs> I was like, what's the long snapper doing? Get him out of there. He's going to get but hurt. I, 
But to That's to funny. your uh, to your point to your haiku, I had um, <laughs> I had heard of Hollands. I, I I saw that come across the wire. Ballantine was I I am a plugged in nerd, and so it is rare for me at this point in the season to see a name on a jersey um, in a broadcast and go, I have literally never heard of that person. So Ballantine, <laughs> sorry, maybe you're a nice guy. <laughs> literally, ne- literally did not know you exist. Cool until- name. Cool name, good job, got some run. I mean, with injuries and stuff, though, it's like I feel like there's going to be one or two more of these where we're like, who the hell is that um, running around on the field, which I'm here for. It's like it's one of those fun, weird little discovery elements where you're learning about your own team on the fly yeah. in the middle of games. And it's kind of exciting, like seeing like Hollins get a sack. It was a sack, right? Or was it a TFL? It was a sack. Um, it was a sack. Yeah, the gloveless Hollins. <laughs> Running around, <laughs> long snapper looking ass. Like seeing that happen is that's so fun. You know, that's like that. Those are the little things we have to look forward to in the last few weeks of the season. Yeah, um, if they which, can, uh, yeah, maybe they get a roster spot next year. The Rudy Ford little growth chapter has been fun. Like, yeah, hopefully. I mean, I don't see them probably retaining Adrian Amos. He looks so unathletic. Like in that game, like yeah. I, I, the whole defense did. Don't get me wrong. But there was one or two plays where I was like, dude, do something like you got to like just fly downhill and like try to hit the quarterback. Maybe you miss him. Don't just like stand there and get spun around. Like I heard um, I'm giving a lot of uh, giving a lot of pop to the returning as eligible podcast, but I was listening to them today and I heard uh, talking about the defense. Um, Nick, to your point, it's. Going into this year, we thought like, all right, who's going to take a step forward? This guy, this guy, this guy on paper, this defense is great. And basically none of them have taken a step forward. Some of them have taken a step back. And the pleasant surprises are guys like Ford and yeah. Hollins, who you didn't know about two weeks ago. And, and Ibarra, I would say. Who was like a, a, that's like the name of a scotch as far as I remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, the, I mean, Alex, kind of to your point, but the, these these situations are always more fun late in the season when you lose a guy like your team's good and you lose a guy like Gary and you're like, Oh shit. Like now what happens? And then a Hollins comes in and fills a void that you didn't think was able to be filled. Um, and it's kind of a bandaid approach, but you're like, all right, well, you know, at least we have, um, we have a fighting chance to remain in this, in this playoff conversation or even make a run. I just don't know how many of these guys end up sticking with the team next year or what. So it, 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 I mean, it is cool to see Zach, to your point, uh, guys chasing paychecks because I want to see people get paid wherever they can. Is Wyatt ever going to get the chance to chase his paycheck? And I don't like, know. I was he, gonna, yeah, I was, he's got to play. I was just thinking about as you were speaking there, Nick, I was like, well, like, yeah, we did. Like, it's kind of fun to see new guys. We definitely need an interior defensive line overhaul. And then I was just like, well, we just spent our first pick on that like that that's kind of depressing mm-hmm. <laughs> you know yeah. that 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 kind of sucks anyway let's keep it positive so well let's, you're not going to see positivity with yeah with with this next one but damn no. i'm okay. I, I resolve to have more positivity on this show starting soon starting soon starting soon seriously like monday comes and i'm i'm like all right keep it positive we're gonna like gonna send some good vibes out there and then showtime comes and i get half a beer in and i'm like misery. <laughs> well i wrote i wrote this haiku during the game um so i i i, I, wow. I 
Yeah, I woke up on Monday morning poetry. and decidedly chose violence. Mobile quarterbacks. Always and forever the Packers kryptonite. It's just really how I feel. I just, I never <laughs> enter a game and it, and it stems from, I mean, Michael Vick was like a totally different phenomenon. Um, but the, the Kaepernick stuff in the playoffs, I just, I, there, whenever there's a, a running threat where the Packers in theory get everything right schematically, but there's a guy who can elude you and they're not in a, even if they are in a QB spy type of situation for my entire lifetime, I've never felt like that was something that this team has been able to uh, combat in any type of way. And I mean, like Hertz ran for a hundred yards in the first quarter. You know <laughs> how insane quarter. that is? Yeah. And we were moving the ball. It's not like uh, they had possession the whole quarter. I guess we scored too fast. Um, yeah. And Josh Allen had a, he didn't have the best running game stat wise against the Packers earlier this season, but in those situations when they had him in third and long, Allen found a way to extend drives and get first downs. And it's, it's just, it, they can't seem to get that, um, a, a player of that ilk off the field. So, yeah, it's true. They've been bad at it forever. There are teams who can do that. I, that's what I mean. Like, that's what sucks. It's like, why can't we ever with a million different coordinators? I They're have a theory. Get I have a theory. Okay. Here's my theory. One of those guys, unless I'm misremembering, has not existed in the NFC North. So, like, don't you kind of feel like NFC North teams can limit or AFC North teams can like kind of limit Lamar Jackson a little bit because they get they like spend so much more time on it? We've been saddled with the burden of having shit quarterbacks on every other team in our division for so Saddled long. With the burden. And it. when they're not shit, they're actually immobile. Like that's the only reason I could think of why we have never figured this out yeah. is we've just been facing like Stafford. Yeah, he's pretty good. Guy can't move. Yeah. You know, like I, I can't even name. Like, oh, you're saying Jay Cutler's not fleet of foot? <laughs> yeah, Jay Cutler. Another one. Statues in our division yeah. forever, just man. Um, maybe that's Jay it. Cut I don't Jay know. Cutler, basically a jugs machine back there. <laughs> but but it is funny because we've had a handful of different um coordinators come and go um i don't know whatever the packers scheme is it just has never been built for that and yeah alex you're probably right you play these teams more times in the season than anyone else i mean there are, there are good teams who could probably do it anyway you know in your defense it's just like i'm just guessing here like it, it could just be our defense is disorganized and bad and no one knows what they're doing and uh, it all falls on joe barry who is a weird hire to begin with but what you know yep. whatever i don't know yep <laughs> like i'm i'm afraid if like marcus mariota comes to town like I feel like he like he'll end up with like ninety five rushing yards. Yeah, he will. He probably will. I mean, yeah. Um, Come on, guys. All right, positivity, positivity. Shake it out. All right. Um, Christian Watson, positivity. Oh yeah, Man, baby. On on that on that crossing route that Love put right on him, it was it. He looked like a like a gazelle 
cruising yeah, like, across the Sahara. Like, but it was like he was moving slow and fast at the same time. It was mesmerizing. <laughs> and then all of a sudden um, he turned up field and you were just like, well, that is, gonna, yeah, that's a fast person again, on the field. Going to once again shout out the Reporting is Eligible podcast. <laughs> um, but because um, I very much agree with with Paul on this, but Watson caught that ball and you could just tell where he caught it, where everyone else was, how fast you know he is, and kind of the angle that he was taking. I knew it was a touchdown immediately. He caught it and I was like, literally no one is going to catch this person. He is the fastest person on the field. And it was mesmerizing. That, it was hypnotizing that's really, It's a really fun thing to be able to say. Because I don't feel like it's that common. I mean, MVS was fast, but like it it's a different kind of feel. Fast, yeah. It didn't feel like this, where it's like if he catches it and he's in any space, see ya. Like yeah. that, that's that's pretty sweet. Good job. I texted pick. you guys during the game. Not not that I'm a scout or anything, but um, <laughs> I thought I I've, Watson to me. My official report on him is that he's a faster MVS with more upside. <laughs> yeah. So far, I think it's true. I yeah, that's a good way to put it. Should we uh, move into degenerate corner? We got any? Um, we got any props we want to highlight here? What is the the line? I think I mean the Bears are bad, and what, Fields so, is injured. So for all your for, fear, Nick of Justin Fields, I yeah. Well, just up. for kicks, Zach. What do you? What would you guess the line is? The for just the point. Just line? the spread. Just the yeah. spread in the game. They're in Chicago. They're in Chicago. I'm going to say Packers by uh, two and a half, right? Three? Close. It's Packers minus four and a half. Disrespect. Four and a half. Okay. Disrespect, Chicago. You, uh, they're going to rally. That's, that's the bulletin board material. Give me a break. <laughs> Do you believe in that? Uh, No. I mean, I hope the Packers <laughs> win, but like. Why the Packers continually are? It's coming off of a game against the Eagles where they looked really good on a Sunday night. I get it, and the Bears also are very bad. But like, I'm the Packers should not be a a road favorite by more than like by more than a field goal against like kind of anyone you know, like kind of anyone in the league. I guess, I guess Chicago would be the team and Houston. Uh, I think but. Chicago is the team and Houston's another one. I'm trying to think of any other. Chicago, yeah. Yeah. Or Not maybe like, that's a close it wouldn't game. be Pittsburgh because Pittsburgh's like one of those like legacy teams that like when you when you go into their turf, um, I don't know. And like, and like 71% of the bets placed right now are on the Packers. Like that's where the public is riding. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. We don't you guys have any- been uh, keeping track of your degenerate corner <laughs> records here. How are we doing? <laughs> no, I'm way too afraid to go back and look. Well, we didn't get to do one against the Eagles. Um, I know that uh, just because we didn't end up having the show with all those schedules and holidays and everything. Um, but I think I've done okay. We hit a couple of like uh, Aaron Jones overs. Yeah, Romeo you did, Dobbs when he was healthy. You I- did convince me to take the Packers and over tease which hit with ease yeah so that was it wasn't on degenerate quarter because we didn't have a pod yeah but um i mean they hit, they yeah. hit the over in like the second quarter or something yeah that was the high score was that the high scoring game of the year it was got it had to have been up there yeah it's gotta be close 77 points yeah i don't know maybe if, if not it's a game with the lions for sure yeah um, that's true the lions had some high scoring ones 
Yeah. We don't have player props yet on DraftKings. Yeah. Come on, DraftKings. They do have a, a special, a weekly special, though. That's kind of enticing. Um, that's already out for some reason. And these are basically just built for people like me who are sit here on a oh, Wednesday. But we should, to we should to... look back on when I was wincing at you during our the last recorded podcast when it was Aaron Rodgers' two touchdown passes. And oh yeah, we did end up hitting that. He did get his two touchdown yeah. passes, so that's a victory. I think our degenerate record is above five hundred. We'll have to Yours try. Might We're be. in I the think black. I'm, I'm right. sub, but <laughs> yeah. Um, the only thing I got is that DraftKings is offering a uh, a little parlay of AJ Dillon one rushing touchdown and Watson one receiving touchdown. If I had to bet, so I would rather take Watson by himself. Dylan played really well, by the way. The Packers ran the hell out of the ball. Yeah, I did for them. Yeah, um, against the Speaking Eagles. Speaking of positivity, if I had to bet, Dylan having a game. I don't know what the odds would be. I don't know if they'd be that favorable, but I'm guessing you can get like anytime touchdown scorer Christian Watson. Maybe it will be like probably plus eight hundred. You think so? What would your What would your guess be? Oh, I thought it'd be less because he's just been scoring. But I will. I will without knowing the odds. They will exist on DraftKings. Oh, and I will give my dege- degenerate corner bet on Watson scoring again because this guy is a machine, and no one else is going to score, so yeah. he's going to do it. That's the other thing. There's just a dearth of options. So, um, sorry, I was thinking first touchdown score. Oh you? no, 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 not for it. We'll uh, we'll get there though. That's... Okay, sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I bet it would be close. I bet it that would be like plus one fifty. Yeah, not crazy even... money, but I will. Uh, that's my degenerate pick. We'll find out what the odds are, and I'll take it anyway when they come out probably tomorrow. Yeah, mm. I think with uh, Fields being murky, it looks like Vegas is not committing to any. They're not opening anything up yet. It looks like for the most part. Mm. Um, I'm gonna take the other. I'm gonna take the other half of that. Uh, the little cooked up DraftKings parlay, and I think <laughs> AJ Dillon's getting in the end zone on Sunday, and I'm saying this for two reasons one because i do firmly believe that he something turned with his usage and we're getting later in the season and he's probably and he he hasn't run the ball that much this year so they're gonna probably try to pound him um more in the cold weather and maybe that was part of the entire plan all season uh, but two, I really need it for an over five and a half AJ Dillon touchdown bet <laughs> I took at the beginning of the season. There you go. Um, he scored a touchdown week one and had not scored at all until this last week. So I thought that bet was like already dead in the water. But it, there's a little life. There's a little life breathed into it now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to let AJ Dillon off off that easy. I feel like he had a disappointing start to the season. We had high hopes and I just didn't see the same running back I saw last year. And I that is a hundred percent true. I mean, the offensive line has been in shuffle run blocking did not start out great this year. And I feel like Aaron Jones is a player who can overcome that with shiftiness and getting around Ooh. the corner and AJ Dillon, not, not as much, but I just, I was very happy to see him um, have some success last week. And Aaron Jones continues. killed the bears in week two. Maybe we look at something there too. I don't mm-hmm. know. Fo- follow us on Twitter and we uh, <laughs> will put out a couple degenerate picks that you, you know, it's going to be it should be a good Dylan game. They'll probably move the ball a lot. They'll probably have a lead. They got a guy with a broken thumb and a fucked up. Of, oh, sorry. Uh, oh, well, I don't know why I'm apologizing. 
Uh, we can curse on a, this podcast. A, a messed up, We're not, but uh, my grandma is that. listening, so watch your mouth. A messed up oblique, like well, I mean, like, you better run the damn ball. Uh, you know, dealing if, if not for cold weather late in the season, grind it out. Then what the hell for? You know, like come on. If this Justice or Tex makes it this far in our podcast and they hear an f bomb and then they reach out to me and say, "Clean that up," I will clean it up. But also, <laughs> like. That uh, it'd be amazing if they made it this far into the podcast. So that's a win for us. Yeah. yeah. Gouging their ears with sharpened pencils. All right, guys. <laughs> We've been rambling. I um, think that's it. I think that's a podcast. Zach's got a whole animal to go roast. Yeah, I think we did. Yeah. What, what are you cooking up tonight, buddy? He's <laughs> like, now that you mention it, I am. I do have a lamb on the spit in the back. <laughs> nah, we're we're just making a frozen pizza. But I did uh, pre sauteed some mushrooms and some like I made a little balsamic uh, reduction. Even you can make a frozen pizza gourmet to put it on, on the you. frozen pizza. Damn, that's cool. Yeah, to put on to put on the frozen pizza. I mean, that's all my wife teaching me how to do things. I don't want to like talk a big game like I'm a expert in the kitchen foodie guy. I know how to follow a recipe, but I'm not it's okay. I'm not. I'm not the ace in our in our kitchen. <laughs> well, Alex and um, I will probably go. Get a deep fried chicken sandwich at the bar next door. After yeah. Well, this, see, so. and that's a that's the the New York thing. You guys have those options nearby, and I gotta go like drive twenty minutes to get to something like that. So <laughs> yeah. Also, my girl gotta learn how to doctor somewhere. my own frozen pizzas. Is what I'm saying. It's a survival yeah. tactic. All right, guys, that's it for us. Really quickly, I wanted to shout out. Um, we haven't been checking in on the uh, the Pick'em at all this year. Our top three currently, Nick Varley, Blake Hill, and Victor Alves. Shout out to you guys. I'm uh, just outside of the top ten. I'm ha- Anytime I can be inside the top ten, I'm happy because I suck at picking games. Anytime we um, have someone who lives at, in another continent that's like towards the top <laughs> uh, this far right. in the season, you know you're shipping that thing overseas. <laughs> Uh, I think we've done this for five years now, and I have had to ship a prize to a foreign country four times, at least three times. <laughs> and I it's think never Vic- like Iowa. The shipping Victor is Alves there. already won once, right? And I think he was in Brazil. The uh, the Brazilian brothers taken first and second place a couple years ago. <laughs> anyway. Uh, shipping costs anyway. are not going down. Um, no, nah, I'm just joking. Good luck, everybody. <laughs> I'm out. I'm done. Right. Now I'm We're done. done. Peace, y'all. The scotch is flowing. The bears are upcoming. The uh, the prop bets are Vegas is holding the cards close to the vest. And uh, we're out of here. Let's, uh, I don't know, reach that Zen state on, on Sunday, guys, and come into a game with no expectations, and maybe we'll beat the bears. Find a little childhood joy in this terrible life. All right, bye. And my dog is asleep. Excellent work. What does it take to be an entrepreneur and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast and an entrepreneur myself. 
Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the PropG Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, this is Scott Galloway, author, professor, entrepreneur, and most importantly, host of the PropG Podcast. We got a special series running on right now called The Future of Work, where I answer all your questions on, surprise, The Future of Work. Questions including, what are we missing when we work remotely? Or how do we handle work-life balance when a major opportunity comes knocking? From the provocative to the technical, we're offering insights you won't want to miss. So tune in to The Future of Work, a PropG Pod special sponsored by Canva. You can find it on the PropG Pod wherever you get your podcasts. 